It's the unconscious biological impulse for a dog on how it's going to survive, how it's going to react and interact with things like food, things that move, people, people's touch, being groomed, all of these things. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Honest to Dog Podcast. It's me, Liz Foley, your favorite dog trainer. And your avid student, Jeff Gadway. Always a student of the dog. Always a student. And today I'm looking to learn some new stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm dusting some stuff off that I haven't talked about or visited in a while. So I have my cheat sheet right here with some notes. I love it. What are we talking about today? We're talking about drives. We're kind of going to unpack that. It's a lot. But like like a USB drive mm-hmm. or like like no. <laughs> reverse drive? No, I'm talking about instinctual drives for survival that are innate in all of our dogs. Okay, a little bit of a preface here. There's a lot here. Mm-hmm. We are just going to scratch the surface. Like we're we're not even going to scratch the surface. This is meant to be sort of like an introductory discussion, mm-hmm. really rooted in our own experiences with this topic. Where can people go to find more in-depth information? The man, the myth, the legend himself, Brian Agnew. That's who taught me about drives. That's kind of the specialist in drives. So he's the balanced dog on Instagram and you can give him a follow. He does workshops, seminars. He's the master. He's the guy you want to talk to about drives. Love it. Okay. So what are drives, Liz? It's the unconscious biological impulse for a dog on how it's going to survive, how it's going to react and interact with things like food, things that move, people, people's touch, being groomed, all of these things. Can you give it to me in a sentence? No. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that there's a lot there. Like if you had to explain it to your mom. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So breaking it down further drives, there are three different types of drives, okay? So there's prey drive, there's pack drive, and there is defense drive. Defense drive is the sticky one. So we'll start with some of the easier ones to start. Okay, I love it. So prey drive, a lot of people are familiar with. I was familiar with it from the start. It was the other two that I really had to learn about. So prey drive is a dog's ability to track and hunt. So you see that in a dog who loves to play chase, who loves to play fetch and retrieve and carry things. These are dogs that are triggered by movement or sound a lot of the time. Okay. And so, I mean, as we go through all of these drives, prey drive, for instance, is it a binary thing? Like they have it or they don't? Or is it more of a spectrum thing where they sit at different levels of that particular drive. Mm-hmm. So they can totally, and I took a test and we can even share where I found this test and people can take it if they want to learn more about their drives yeah. and their dog. Um, so it scores out of 12 and all of our dogs, well, kind of hit the middle mark, but Ty and Blue were a bit higher. So Baker was right down the middle. He got a six out of 12 for prairie drive. Ty was eight as well as Blue. And so I think you can have like a medium high and low situation for sure. And I've met dogs with super high prey drive. Our dogs aren't super high, they're medium. So because we're talking about prey drive, if you think about a dog maybe that you've worked with that is higher on that prey drive spectrum, Mm -hmm. is that, does that make it easier 
to work with them or less easy or is it is it is that less of the question and it's more about how to tap into and channel that instinct it really depends on the dog its energy level the the owners and their household and their lifestyle because when we have a high prey driven dog that's usually a dog who's super high food motivated and so we can use food as a lure but it can make things like just taking your dog out for a walk in a city really challenging because they're going to be wanting to chase after buses and cars. And I've seen that with certain breeds specific because that's the thing within prey drive, certain breeds even of themselves are going to be more predispositioned to having that trait, that prey drive. Interesting. So actually, this is probably a question that applies to all of the drives. And we'll talk about pack drive and maybe a little bit less about defense drive since you said that's the <laughs> sticky wicket. But our drives, like what what drives drives? Is it breed? Is it upbringing? Is it temperament? Like it's probably all of those things. It is. But it's, it's all of it combined really when you think about it because there are going to be breeds like I mentioned. So like Australian Shepherds or cattle dogs, German Shepherds, Whippets, Beagles, a lot of hounds, terriers and shepherds, they were bred for this reason. So they're going to have more prey drive innate in them. But then it's also what you practice with your dog and what you teach. So I see a lot of dogs get more and more ingrained in this prey drive with games like fetch and practicing that because that is practicing prey drive. So you're getting better at it. Mm -hmm. So is the, is the takeaway there, maybe it's just, you know, knowledge is power. And we'll talk about this later in terms of how to factor this into your overall training regimen, along with the other things that we talk about, like energy and, and pack position. Maybe it's more about like learning how and when to harness it. But is there a risk to over indexing on something like prey drive. Like if, if you know you have a really high prey drive dog and you're using a chuck it and fetch, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? It, does it depend? Yeah, I just would want to make sure if you're practicing something like that, your dog knows when and where to practice prey drive and that it's not all encompassing for all things that move. I see. So you should have a really solid off switch. Got it. And Got maybe it. like this isn't something you should be practicing if you live with a cat and a dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it depends. Again, all, like so many of my answers tend to be it depends on the dog and the situation. For sure. Is there anything else to touch on with prey drive? I'm really interested in learning about pack drive because I know that's where most of our dogs yeah. sit. I think with prey drive, just other things that people can look out for if they want to see if their dog has this in them and it might be strong. Things like digging or burying things. They tend to do a lot of sniffing when exploring new spots. Shaking or ripping, destroying toys like I mentioned. Liking to carry things, fetch. Loves to chase as their game more so. And we see that with Ty. We actually see that with a lot of our dogs. They play chase more than they wrestle. Yes. Um, and being triggered by things that move. Also, high-pitched barks. And that's what we saw with Ty outside of the sheep herding ring yes. at Caesars Ranch. Yes. And that's and we already knew because we we already had suspicions that he had high prey drive. And so that's why we're like, should we have him try sheep herding? And when he was outside the ring, I've actually never heard him make sounds like that. It was high-pitched whining and barking and oh, it was wild. He turned like a different dog and we put him in the ring and he 
He knew what to do. He knew exactly what to do. It was it was innate. It was in his DNA. Yeah. And so, and that's exactly what the handler says at that point. Paul is the trainer that they use for that. And he's like, some dogs have it. They either have it or they don't have it, right? So it's either there or it's not there. Um, so maybe that's more of an answer to your question. I, I think if it's low, you're probably not going to be able to bring out more of it. If it's high, make sure you have a cap on it and you can control that. Got it. Okay. Very cool. Pack drive. You want to yeah, learn about pack drive? I do. Okay. So pack drive is all about sociability and how willing a dog is to kind of connect to another. So you see this with dogs that enjoy playing with other dogs and being around people and being petted, um, things like that. They even can jump up more readily on people that they don't even know or haven't met yet. Um, lots of eye contact. They love to play. Um, really good with verbal praise. Like they kind of light up with some of that. Um, and these dogs are typically seen as easier to train because they're able to connect, because they're eager to please. Mm. So this is kind of what what a lot of, I think, family homes are looking for is a pack-driven dog. Interesting. So again, this this goes to show how important knowledge is and how important learning is and really getting clear on these concepts. Because when I've heard people talk about pack drive before, and I don't know why, I think I was stuck in my mind that it really just meant like follower state. I was probably conflating it with being a little bit more back of the pack. Mm. Whereas what you're talking about is this sociability, this comfort around other dogs or other people and kind of conforming a little bit more to mm -hmm. the norm. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's not far off by saying that, a dog that's willing to follow. I think that's really good, actually, kind of description of pack. Okay. Social and wanting to follow, right? So these are dogs that going to tend to stick by you. And we saw that right away with Blue. He off leash would not leave my side. And we were going on hikes and trails and <sighs> The Baker and Ty, they go and they explore, they come back, they don't go out of sight, but they're adventuring. And Blue was like, no, I stay right beside you. Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to go anywhere too far. Um, but you can also see with these dogs, usually more separation anxiety. And we did see that with Blue. They want to be a part of a pack so badly, they're going to freak out a little more when left alone. Now with Ty, because we know he has maybe a little bit more prey drive in him. Mm -hmm. We were trying to encourage his pack drive or mm -hmm. coax it out of him. And this is this is the neat thing about drives is that there might be this innate predisposition towards a drive, but that you can work with these things and encourage or nurture or manage in some cases you know, an overexistence of a drive. And so with Ty, for example, what are some of the things that we tried to do to bring out his pack drive? Mm -hmm. Long line. Oh my goodness. Using a long line to be able to switch your dog from prey to, to pack drive. That's one thing I learned from Sherry Lucas and Brian Agnew when I took that workshop with them was you want to be able to pinpoint what drive the dog is in and be able to switch it. And for defense and prey drive, 
you want to pull them into pack drive, right? So that they go back to follow. Don't hunt. Yeah. Don't protect yourself. Stay with me, right? So a lot of what I do is keeping dogs within pack drive, mm-hmm. right? That was doghouse social school, right? Where all the dogs at the daycare are hanging out together, stay in pack drive, follow on leash, pack walks, all of that. Because I know that's what most people, my clients want, a dog that listens to them and follows them. That's not going to react to this, not going to be afraid of that. So yeah, I try to keep dogs within pack drive. It kind of sounds like pack drive is sort of the ideal drive for the average family companion household pet, just like getting a dog that is happy-go-lucky by nature from an energy perspective is sort of ideal for a companion pet pet Mm -hmm. as well. Is that fair Mm -hmm. to say? I I think it's fair to say that a dog who's happy-go-lucky probably has also fairly high pack drive. Mm, Okay. That those are probably pretty well correlated. Got it. But you can still have a back of the pack sensitive dog who also has high pack drive. Like that I makes think, sense. That would be like a blue. Yeah. Like exactly. Blue's back of the pack. Super high pack drive. He actually like almost got a ten out of ten for that one. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. I was gonna ask you next where each of our dogs scored on pack drive, mm-hmm. since you have their scores on prey drive. Yeah. So blue scored the highest, ten out of twelve. Baker was just under nine out of 12 and Ty, I gave him a four out of 12. (laughs) And, and that was because of things like I said, he doesn't really get along with other people. Like it takes him a while to warm up. Oh, absolutely. Right. And I said, he also doesn't really get along with other dogs that takes him a while to warm up to. He doesn't really want to be petted by strangers. He doesn't jump up to greet people. He doesn't show a lot of reproductive behavior. That's another one like mounting. Um, other dogs or people or even toys. So he doesn't show that. Um, he doesn't follow me around like a shadow. He can be a little aloof. Yeah. So this is a really good representation of him and, yeah. and their relative standings too, because I think even the way that Baker and Blue are pretty close on this scale mm-hmm. relative to the distance between them and Ty feels spot on to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so Blue is similar to Ty in his high prey drive, but he's also similar to Baker in his high pack drive. All very, very interesting here. So Ty has low pack drive. Baker and Blue have high pack drive. Baker has medium prey drive. Ty and Blue have medium high prey drive. Got it. It's all very interesting. So is there a situation where... There's too much pack drive. I think that's when you would see the separation anxiety type of thing. So it would just be about, because one of the questions is, does your dog bark when left alone? If you answered yes to that, that means high pack drive, right? So again, it's going to be about teaching this dog some independence and time away. So these are dogs that creating from a young age is probably good doing place work throughout their day is probably good just to increase that separation of like, you don't need to be constantly attached to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I would say Carmen also was very high pack driven. We walked her (laughs) off leash so much in the beginning because she was like, I'm with you. I get this. But then again, when you were describing some of the characteristics of prey driven, and I don't think I'd put her high on the the prey drive spectrum. She definitely had it. But the smelling and, Mm -hmm. you know, the 
digging, like things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, like there were elements that. of that there for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. But she didn't destroy toys, but she did like to fetch. Like there were things that I can see for sure. Her having prey drive. I'd probably say she's medium. She was medium prey drive, high pack drive. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to dive into the the tough one? Have sure. we Have we done a good enough job, I think, with with pack drive? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because that's the easy one. That's that's a nice one. <laughs> so. Ty's tap dancing. <laughs> I'll, I'll put him back on his bed. It's, it's getting close to dinner. That's why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ta-ta. So Ty likes to uh, put on a performance before dinner time to just to let us know that it's dinner time. So it's about 30 minutes before dinner. He's just doing his warm-ups for his performance. Just, you know. Taking the stage, putting on his tap shoes. Okay, so I'll narrate. Ty is on place. Just waiting for him to lie down. He was reluctant, kind of showing some hesitancy in his body language. So Liz was keeping just the faintest bit of pressure on, waiting for him to... Relax. Just relax (laughs) and lie down and get comfortable. Now he's giving himself a pre-dinner bath. (laughs) All right, back into it. So defense drive. Defense drive is tricky because it gets broken down into two categories. Okay. We have fight or flight. Okay. There's also technically freeze, but we're not going to talk about that one because that's just shutting down. Okay. Not as interesting. (laughs) So defense drive, fight or flight. How Brian Agnew refers to this category is he'll say a dog is high defense when it is high fight low defense when it's more likely to flight so we can talk about it in one way high or low and then it it tells us which category we're talking about does that make sense yeah so it's it's a it's a defense spectrum Mm -hmm. and on one end there's flight and one end there's what are they going to do if provoked yeah so if there's pressure put on them right okay that's an even better because it's provocation insinuates some kind of something happening whereas pressure is just it's, yeah yeah and and you can be intentional and you can push a dog into defense drive right which you really don't want to do so finding that threshold really when it comes down to defense drive it's about level of confidence in the dog so a highly confident dog will choose fight more than flight a low confidence dog a low defense dog will choose flight so run away so with our flight dogs, we tend to see them urinate or shake or run away when confronted. They'll avoid eye contact. They'll avoid confrontation. They'll always try to move away. Defense drive high fight will mean that this dog is going to go forward more. So investigate strange sounds, not run away and cower. Mm-hmm. Um, stand their ground and guard themselves, maybe guard food, maybe guard their owner, all things like that. Um, show indifference to kind of being petted. So again, a little bit aloof. They don't like being groomed. They might bite the leash or redirect on the human if given a correction, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Now here, is there any, again, maybe I'm looking for correlations where they don't exist or don't apply, but could there be a forward dog that's kind of more front of the pack with lower defense drive, i.e. they'd be more inclined to flight when put pressure on, or is a front of the pack dog always going to be higher? Yeah, I think they're always going to sit higher 
on fight. What about back of the pack though? Because I feel like we've seen some dogs who mm. when kind of put in a corner, figuratively speaking, have more of a predisposition to want to flight or avoid versus others that will move forward. Mm -hmm. So, well, if actually cornered and flight is taken away as an option, fight is the only option. Right, right. And defense drive comes down to defending oneself because there's a perceived threat. Okay. And so more sensitive dogs are going to see more things as threats because of their low confidence. Ah. And so we'll tend to run away, but if runaway is taken out as an option, so say they're on leash or they are cornered or they're in a crate, they're going to go into fight, but that is not their predisposition. That is just their only option. So to assess that dog and say that dog is high defense is probably not necessarily fair in that situation. It might show it there, but truly in nature, be more of a flight-driven dog. You bring up an interesting topic in terms of assessing and evaluating dogs. I've heard you say before, the best way to assess pack position is obviously in a pack with other dogs. You can assess energy state just between the dog and the owner in that moment, looking at things like body language and other things. How do you assess drive? Mm. So you can provoke, right? So I could throw a ball, have, I could have a dog on a long line and be practicing follow the leader to see if how much pack drive we have and if I can increase that. I see, okay. I can throw a ball or if somebody walks by, pay attention to how that dog responds to something like that. So if ears perk up, but then the dog looks at me, higher prey drive, higher pack drive than prey drive in that scenario. Mm -hmm. If the dog goes to lunge forward towards the ball, it's more prey driven than pack driven in that moment. Interesting. So I would work, if I'm trying to decrease prey drive, I would keep working that dog around those triggers to pull them back to pack drive. That's how I use it. When it comes to defense drive, that one, I think, ooh, I gotta think on that one. Like I said, it's going to be response to pressure. So I guess how I interpret that is if I'm doing spatial pressure with a dog and I can see a shift into avoidance, then that's me assessing, oh, I went too too close. I put too much pressure. I'm going to take a step back. Or I'm approaching and that dog takes off. That's a high flight dog. You yeah. can still do that with your- so low defense drive. Yes. More flight presenting or in inclined versus, mm -hmm. yeah. So even with assessing defense, you could have um, an item like a resource, so a, either a toy or food and see how that dog does if you claim it or try to ask and send it away from that space, mm -hmm. right? What does that dog do? Let's take a look at low defense now and the questions that they asked on this test to determine if your dog would be more flight. So does your dog run away from situations or show unease, hide behind you when insecure, avoid direct confrontation, run away when being told no or off, crowd you in a heel, raise his or her hackles when meeting someone new or another dog, crawl onto their belly or upside down, Baker does that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tries to escape if being examined or held by someone unfamiliar, urinate when they think they've done something wrong or excited, bite a nip when cornered. Our dogs, Ty scored the highest for defense drive. 
Not surprised there. Yeah, for fight. And second, middle of the ground for flight. So blue is actually our most flighty dog, which I would agree with. Yeah. Baker is low flight, but there, like he's a five out of 12, so medium, low medium, and Ty's six out of 12, like medium flight. This one was hard for me with Ty because I do see him as being more flight, but when push comes to shove, he will assert himself and be defense. He's he's also low threshold. So regardless, his back is always kind of up. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So, yeah. he, so his sensitivity makes him more triggered by more things. Yeah. Like if I were to, if someone he didn't know was putting spatial pressure on him towards him, I think his tail would go down. I've seen him do it and he'll create space and back away and bark. He'll pace mm-hmm. back and forth and bark. So I can see he's trying to create space from himself. Like He's also letting people know he's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So it's not just complete flight and avoid. It's flight, but also signaling. I'll do something. Yeah. If you don't back off. Yeah. So where did the, the two Chi-Chi's score on fight? <laughs> Baker is so low. Baker's a two out of 12. And Blue got four out of 12. Yeah. I, I, I totally see that. Yeah. I totally see that on both the flight and the fight. Of defense drive. Mm-hmm. They're Fascinating. just little sensitive beans who, you know, and so what do you do in situations like this? This tells me we should be building up Blue and Baker's confidence, right? And and making it so that they don't feel the need to run away. Really like Baker's pretty low too, right? So Baker's, we know Baker's confident, like just enough confident, not overly confident. Yeah. <laughs> um. But Blue, and that's something that I think we've been working on with him, working with him individually, taking him different places, having him meet some people and, yeah, grow a little bit outside of his comfort zone. Totally. So thanks for diving into that. I know there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. I really hope I did Brian Agnew justice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've certainly helped me understand these concepts more than I did 27 minutes ago. Help me put these into context of some of the other concepts that you use in your training. So Mm. you talk about energy states, you talk about pack position, and now we've added drives to the mix. How do you, how do you, how do you look at drives relative to the other two as information or tools Mm -hmm. that you would use as a dog trainer? I think it just goes to show the level of complexity within dog training. Again, it's just information gathering and it can help me in how I'm going to work with that dog. Like I said, if it's really low defense, I'm going to work on building its confidence. If it's high prey drive, I'm going to work on building up pack drive, making sure that dog has a solid recall, that sort of thing. So for me, I kind of look at it all. It's like knowing your horoscope sign your number for the Enneagram test or whatever, um, as well as your your Myers-Briggs, like introverted or extroverted, all yeah, of that. Yeah. So you can be all of those things. Like your dog can have a happy-go-lucky personality, high prey drive, low defense drive, like a mixture of things. And it should just be like, okay, that's information that now I can kind of understand my dog better. And it feels to me, and, and I hope I'm not 
misreading the the intent of these different things, but it feels to me like they all tell you kind of different things, right? So mm-hmm. energy to me feels like, how does your dog feel in this moment? Absolutely. And it can change from one moment to the next. Mm-hmm. Your dog might be more frequently in certain energy states than others. Like your dog might live more in an insecure or a frightened or a fearful or like an excited dog or whatever it is. But that's sort of in the moment. Your pack position seems to me like it's kind of innate. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fixed. There's one forward front of the pack dog in every litter, a bunch of happy-go-luckies and a bunch of back of the packs. And so that sort of signals how that dog is going to live its life to the most for the most part Mm -hmm. but then this concept of drive hearing you describe how you would test for these different drive scenarios kind of strikes me as it's how your dog responds to different stimuli Mm -hmm. so there's like three different realms that you're drawing from to help you build a more holistic picture of your dog so that you can best connect with it, lead it, convey information to it, all those things. Exactly. You said it better than I did. <laughs> well, you just, you put it all on the table. I just, you know, put it on the plate. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. You help me make sense, I think. <laughs> so thank you for being a part of this podcast. It's kind of like, I, I used to use this analogy sometimes with, you know, with, with some of the folks I worked with. I don't think I'd be a very good line cook but I'd be really good at the pass, putting mm. everything on the plate, you know, getting it, you know, getting it plated and and making it, it look all, good, putting it all together. You're the substance. Uh-huh. I'm the I'm the finesse, the finesse, the the garnish. <laughs> I'm I'm just the garnish here, folks. <laughs> You're the meat. I'm the garnish. There we go. To bring this home, Liz. Now that we know a little bit more about our dogs and their drives, where they score on these different drive indices. What do you think it's going to help us do for them? I think fulfill them in certain ways. Like we've been working really hard with recall for all our dogs so we can enjoy more off-leash and we're getting that. We're seeing that. We're putting in the work, but we're also really doing the long line work, the come when called, the connection building, all of that. What I think is so cool about this this concept is that by layering these different things on top of each other, it really helps you crack the code on your dog. So just like with me learning that I had ADHD inattentive presenting, helped me better understand myself and how to build systems that support the way that I work and the way that I think, the way that my mind operates. I feel like understanding your dog's drives, how to tap into them, how to build up certain drives, how to manage other drives, is only going to help you better connect with your dog and be a stronger leader to your dog. Mm-hmm. So it fe- it feels like it's just helping you. It's it's another chapter of the operating manual mm-hmm. on, on your pooch. I like that. And honestly, looking at this, I'm realizing we could be doing more to fulfill Ty and Blue's prey drive because those are dogs who live for stimulation, who look for jobs, who do well with challenges. And so uh, 
maybe we bring back the backpacks for both of those dogs, right? So again, like on walks, don't focus about chasing and looking for the squirrels or other dogs. Focus on this. But since we know that Baker isn't really high on prey drive, we don't want to invest time there. We don't want to mm-hmm. push him outside his his comfort zone. Instead, we're going to focus more on building his confidence and nurturing that that strong pack drive that he already has. Yeah, and so maybe that's like the coming to family events and things. And we already were doing a lot of that for Baker. Baker does get certain perks and privileges, um, but knowing that that fulfills him and why makes sense. I love it. Liz, this is so cool. I mean, it goes hand in hand with everything else that we talk about here on Honest to Dog, catering to your dog's love languages, understanding energy, understanding pack position. It's really just about becoming a more confident and competent dog owner. Mm -hmm. And the more knowledge you have, the better you can lead really for your dog. So take this information as you will. I hope you found this very educational, inspiring. And where can folks go for more information on drives or to take the survey or test that you did for our dogs? So to learn more about drives, I would definitely encourage you to check out Brian Agnew. His Instagram handle is at B-A-G-N-E-W-6-4. And we can post the link to this test in the description for this episode. And go ahead and take it and let us know your findings. Yeah, when you get your results, post them, tag at Honest Dog Podcast. We'd love to see what everyone's dogs are from a drive perspective. As always, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, stay calm and confident. Bye. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. 